This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another another podcast. I'm Jamie Smith. Joining me this week, Natalie James and Kevin Suck about another away defeat. 2-1 at Watford. 2-1 for the fourth time in a row away from home. A game ruined by an early red card for Jeff Hendrick. We might as well start with there. Natalie, hard to have any complaints about the decision given Hendrick was late, over the ball, dangerous. Oh, I'm so angry at Jeff right now. Yeah, Two days I agree. Later, <laughs> yeah, I am. Jeff, if you're listening to this... We are no longer friends and you're not on my Christmas card list anymore. But no, seriously, I'm, I'm just, it's such a frustrating um, start to a game. He just does not need to make that challenge there. It's in the early stages of the game. It's on the halfway line. It, it, you know, there's no danger. It's not like they were on the break and it, it just, it just, it was such a stupid decision to make. I don't even think he needs to make the tackle there. I think he can probably just put his body in the way and just block, you know, not make contact, but just, just shadow him all the way and just try and put him off and try and pressure him into um, either passing the ball or, or, you know, just holding on to it and, and killing the momentum out of the pass. It, it's just, it's just so annoying because from seven minutes into the game, our game plan goes completely out of the window and we're just finding increasingly more colourful ways to shoot ourselves in the foot in away games this season. And it, it, I think the thing that annoys me more than anything is that we've been defensive of our poor away performance this season on the grounds that we've been played some very tricky away ties. And we'd started to look at the second half of the season and we'd we'd put um we we sort of highlighted games like Watford away, Hull away, Swans away as games where we can realistically expect to get three points. And Watford just were not that good aside. And they we we ended up gifting them an easy three points in the end that they didn't need to have. And and I do believe and I I'm sure you guys probably agree as well that 11 versus 11 we would have taken at least a point from that game if not three yeah it's difficult to say on that isn't it because the second half performance was much improved but plus it's, just, it's a totally different game if you're not down to 10 men in the the first six minutes James and 2-0 down at half time but only poor defending again left us right up against it yeah it's just one of those games you look at it you know we we did hire at Watford as a good opportunity to get that first away win. And as soon as Hendrick goes in rashly, 
you just know it's going to be a tough day. And then you see Deeney's goal and you shouldn't really be conceding to a back post header from that position. And, um, you know, it's been strange because there's been so many performances this season where I think if you look at our defensive performance, we've been, you know, sensational. But I think a lot of opposition goals come with small lapses for us. You know, we I think even in games where we've played really well defensively, we've seen it particularly with players like Ben Mee. How many times have people said, oh, you know, Ben Mee, match, man of the match, apart from that time he let someone through and scored? Yeah, apart from the mistake that directly led to a goal. Brilliant, Ben Mee. Yeah, and it, it's just our, we, we can defend well for, you know, long periods and then there's these little mistakes and, you know, the Deeney goal, someone should be cutting that up before it gets to him. And um, it, it was just, I think at that point I'd, I'd gave up on any idea of us winning because, you know, you've had a man set off after six minutes, one nil down, about three minutes later. Um, but, you know, the second half performance, I think, should give us a lot of heart for our next away game. And obviously, Chelsea's not um, a game where you'd expect us to, to lose without a fight. But it's just been so frustrating. I think away from home, particularly, we've played well in games where we've had a lesser chance of winning. So, you know, you look at like Spurs away, we played really well, having pay, played not very well at West Ham, which is a game that we, we had an opportunity to win. And then Watford, we played really well second half when the game's you know really gone already because we, we're down to 10 men. Yeah, it's a strange one. I, I think the second half, it's it's partly that Burnley played really well and that was a reaction to the first half where we played really badly. But also I think Watford, teaming up against 10 men, the foot was off the gas. They assumed that they'd already won the game. And we gave them a real scare at the end. But I think it was more the second half was... It had had as much to do with Watford being poor as, as us being good. But I, I suppose we made them play badly as well. Um, Kevin, as we've touched on, so frustrating to lose in those circumstances. We'd all pinpointed Watford as being the first winnable game away from home for a while after playing the big teams. and It's just it's daft from Jeff. You don't often see him do things like that and he's been so good recently but he's let his teammates down yeah definitely and I'm just looking at it again. I'm just watching it on repeat again now and then, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly no kind of malicious intent there but it's just it's just technically very poor um, it's it's a technically very poor challenge and it's not the really sort of challenge you expect you expect someone to be making particularly so early in the game as well you know maybe later on in the game when you're a bit more tired you're um, you've had been having to concentrate for a long time. You've got those lapses breaking a little bit more, but surely you you expect players uh, so early in the game to be a lot more composed, um, settling into the game quite slowly and, and comfortably. And it's it. I just don't really know how how it happens. And yeah, it's so disappointing because we 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 all looked at this game thinking this could be this could be it. We are it could at least be at least be our second win of a season. Which um, if all had been right, it would have been a one-all draw. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but, and then that happens so early on and you just think, okay, here we go again. Um, and, you know, it's all well and good saying we, we had a second, very good second-half performance, which, um, yeah, that's that's great. It's obviously, it's better than having a poor second-half. But it's it's so often this season, we've said that, we've said, oh, but we ended so well, we ended the match so well. Um, and if only we played that, that, that yeah. earlier. There's no point and, starting to play well once you've already lost the game. Yeah, absolutely, and you, you know you, you've you've got to look at uh, Watford as well. Saying if they're two goals up against a team with ten men, then they're 
they've they've not 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 got the need to go up, you know, be pushing us forward and be really stretching us. They can they can sit back and allow us to play football. So there's so much more um there's so much more complexity about it than just saying we were better and if we play that for the whole match then we would have it had been different. Um, it's difficult to say, really. But yeah, as soon as that goal went in, you, you, you can, you can, your, your heart sinks almost. You should just think, yeah, this, it, here we go again. And it now brings up a um, not just a short term problem for, for that one match, but it starts to bring about more longer term problems for the, the, the future of our, our central midfield. Yeah, I want to come on to that next, actually. I think there was some frustration, um, especially after the Manchester United game on Sunday against Leicester when Juan Mata made a similarly late studs-up tackle on Jamie Vardy and it was deemed only a yellow card. Um, people always like to go on about consistency when this happens, but it's a different referee in a different game with a different tackle, with a different view. So I think it, it's difficult to just compare two tackles and say, well, why wasn't that a red card? Um, I think on the podcast we're all pretty much unanimous that it was a red card. Ricky provides our out sent us an email Rick's got a bit of a different view of it, so we might as well um, give that for some balance on the podcast. Rick says, um, I know rules are rules, and he's over the ball, feet off the ground and you're off, but surely the speed of the challenge should be considered. They came together very slowly, there was tangled legs, and I don't think Jeff was totally out of control. Certainly no stamping motion from him. If anything, he's trying to pull out the tackle. For me, there's never any dangerous serious injury. Then compare it to Matt's challenge yesterday, although he's, foot, he's slightly over the Jeffs, he's still off the ground. And he was fighting at 100 mile an hour ish, totally out of control. Um, similar to what I've just been saying now, I don't think the two tackles are that similar, really. And just because Matter should have been sent off doesn't mean that Hendrick's red card um, isn't a red card. Uh, Natalie, to come back to what J- uh, Kevin sorry, was talking about there about the midfield problems, um, Hendrick's obviously going to be suspended now. Joey Barton might be suspended for a bit. Stephen Defoe's already injured. Um, it's starting to look a bit like a crisis, but you can't really do anything when you've got four central midfields all unavailable. Yep. <laughs> one uh, full disclosure, listeners, I have used the term crisis quite a lot since Saturday. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very much of the, oh my God, we've got a panic brigade. Um, it, it's just, I just find it very, very, very peak Burnley that we can go from um, Tuesday night being elated to having quite possibly the most exciting midfield that we've ever had to four days later being stuck in a potential midfield crisis. Um, let, I mean, let, let's be, I guess, um, realistic about this. We, You can't legislate for four um, central midfield specialists at senior level all being either injured or suspended at the same time. And in some respects, that makes Hendricks' actions even more frustrating and pretty annoying. Um, it, the, the, I guess the question mark we've got at the moment is when Joey's ban's going to kick in. Now, I don't know whether this is intentional or whether it's just the way he's doing, but if Joey's doing all he can to drag this out as long as possible, then God bless him and thank you very much I for think that. He is. Yeah, I think I think that's the common consensus for us that um, he's doing all he can. Um, obviously, we don't know, so we're only guessing at the moment. But given that he has requested a personal hearing, that's got to be set up. Hopefully, depending on what the punishment is, there's then an appeal. I think the best we can hope for at the moment is that um, it gets spun out as long as possible because we need Joy to play in the middle with Westwood um, until we can get Hendrick back from suspension and Defoe back from his hamstring injury. I think, to be honest, um, the three games that Hendrick's going to be banned for, we've got Chelsea at home, Lincoln in the Cup and um, Hull away. 
let's not not being defeatist and i do agree with the with you guys when we say that we should be trying to get something from the game at home but let's be brutally honest any points at home to chelsea are going to be in the bonus points category even as well as we're playing at the moment because they are going to be the champions and they're playing exceptionally well so let's say that obviously that is bonus points and lincoln is the cup and you would think that even with our second string of players we've still got enough to beat lincoln at home jeff hendrick's ban effectively becomes a one-match bank ban but it's just so frustrating that it's going to be against Hull away which is another one of those games that we've pinpointed as, as ha- you know potentially being able to get something from if we can't spin Barton's um, suspension out until after the Hull game we are potentially having to go to Hull with only Westwood being our fit outfield central midfield specialist which puts us in a situation of having to play um, either Arfield or Tarkovsky in there well, with don't him don't forget so. Super Tarkovsky brothers <laughs> yeah because yeah, everybody knows how much we love that here on the podcast. But, you know, we'll make do. We'll make do. It's it's frustrating that it, it's going to be a game. Uh, but who knows? You know, Defoe might only be out for a couple of weeks and he might be back for the whole game. You know, we can't, we can't panic in advance. But certainly at the moment, I think we should be kind of having one eye on a concerned um, midfield. I'm not going to use the word crisis. I'm going to use midfield potential problem. <laughs> potential problem <laughs> potential problem I was trying to be really Catch clever you. then and thinking something that was like less sensational than crisis then I realised that my words failed me I had an attack of the Kevins crisis so. what crisis <laughs> yeah I think I mean yeah I, I think I appreciate what you're saying there about yeah Hull's the only game that is kind of massively important in those but I think particularly after I think if, if it was just a normal season um, that you could take that just as that, that one game suspension I think being whole, it probably I think it almost doubles the impact really, particularly because you know we looked at these games, the likes of Watford and Hull away, as our, our opportunity to really break that that away curse almost and really get those start picking picking up some points on the road. And after after losing against Watford, if our midfield crisis or our midfield potential problem um, <laughs> means that we we fail to pick up points at Hull, that's the psychological. There's the psychological impact of us playing two of those winnable games and coming away with nothing could be huge for me. And I think, you know, we've all been looking at these thinking this is the time when our way season starts. If you play those two games, coming away with two two defeats, I think I don't think you can really underestimate the the, the psychological effect that will have on the team. But we're really a tough one for for Dice to approach with. Because I think he Dice if if I know if I've got a Premier League manager's brain in me, which I haven't, but if I was a Premier League manager, if I was Sean Dice, I would have been talking to the players in the same way as you know, look, let's forget the rest of the season away from home now. Let's it starts here. Um, these are some winnable games, and I think if if you come come away with those away from those two games without any points at all, then it, it really starts. I think we're back at where we were, um, and you've back to where we, where we looked at being quite promising. You, you start to get that pressure a lot more. So, yeah, it's 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 really disappointing. It's come around at this time of the season. It would have been so. I think if we could, if it could have been an away game later, we maybe pick up a couple of points at Watford, and then it happens a, a different way around. It might not be as bad, but I think it's just it's so unlucky, unlucky for us that it, it, it's happened around this time. There's definitely a psychological issue there. I think every away game this season, when we've gone behind, you see a couple of heads start to drop. Um, there's just no belief that once we're behind, we're going to get a result. Arsenal's the only think, time that we've equalised away from home all season, I think. 
I don't think it's a coincidence that um, Watford scored almost immediately after Hedby was sent off as well. I think, like I say, it's that I, when I said when I when I when I saw the the red card, it was heart drop, and you know, here we go again. And you look at the timing of those two incidents, uh, the red card and the goal, and it it doesn't take a, a big, a huge stretch of the imagination to imagine that the same has happened with the players. They've gone in thinking this is a really you know a big opportunity for us. Hendricks red card, and they think, okay, here we go again. Um, and those, if those heads drop, even if if your belief dropped by even you know one or two percent for five minutes, that's huge in the Premier League, and that's going to cost you. And and it did. I think particularly when you look at the goal as well. I think like James said, they're not the goal sort of goals we should be we should be conceding. And it does look like a just like a you know a lapse of of concentration or a lapse of something. And I, I'm not sure that happens if if Hendricks on the field. Obviously, it's a lot of hypothetical and if and and whatever. But I'm not sure that. That Dini gets through those two defenders if if that happens a few minutes earlier. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's kind of a moot point, really, um, given Hendrick's red card change game entirely, James. But I was a little bit surprised to see. Well, I don't know if I was surprised or not. I was more dismayed to see that after spending forty million pounds on players, our wingers for a Premier League game were Scarfield and George Boyd. <laughs> I, I still don't know really what to make of that. Brady seemed to do a decent job from the bench, though. Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of people say, oh, they expected Brady to be on the bench because, uh, you know, that's the dash way. And he's a new signing. Well, you spent £13 million on him. If he's not good enough to walk straight into your side, then what are you doing spending £13 million on him? Um, I, I was quite disappointed, I think, to see both Boyd and Arfield playing. I wouldn't have minded just, you know, one of the two. Uh, but I really thought Brady should have been starting. You know, big signing for the club. Uh, I think sort of, a, you know, sign of intent. Um, and I know people have said, oh, he has to earn his place. But, you know, with the way our away form has been, I'm not sure anyone's really deserved to keep their place away from home. You could easily argue for making changes. Um, yeah, and I thought, you know, bringing Brady in really should have been a no-brainer. But ultimately, if he had started and then Hendrick makes the same challenge, maybe it, it wouldn't have wouldn't have made much of a difference. But the strange thing was, I thought that not only was not playing Brady a strange decision, I thought bringing Gray off was a, a poor decision, to be honest, because I understand why he's left Barnes on, because Barnes is probably more likely to hold the ball, or obviously Barnes can win the ball in the air better than, than Gray can, because Gray's not going to challenge much in the air. But, you know, that chance falls to Barnes later on. If that falls to, to Gray... Uh, I think we've probably equalised and it's, you know, a point away from home in really tough circumstances. So, um, i got to say, me and uh, producer Adam were both sat next to each other at the Watford game and, and when that chance fell to Gray and he just passed it straight to the keeper, we both nearly threw up. Yeah, it's 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 one of those, isn't it? Barnes' chance at the end. It's Sometimes you only get one chance in a Premier League game. To get something out, of it. yeah, and, that, <laughs> and, that, that and that's the chance. Like for all, for all the talk as well about how great we were in the second half, we got a penalty because one of their guys tried to punch the ball away, and then they passed us the ball in the penalty area in the last minute. That was it. We didn't have any chances. <laughs> the second half performance was just better than the first one, which was awful. <laughs> the second half was just an improvement on a very very low bar. Um, Apparently there was a suggestion that Gray had a, a back injury. I haven't seen anything from Dash about that, but someone said that it was mentioned on the radio. 
Um, so maybe it was something to do with that. But yeah, I agree. Like Barnes for for everything he gives us, and I think Natalie talked about this at length last week. For everything he gives us, the goal threat's just not there with Ashley Barnes. He's got a couple of penalties recently, but goals from open play is just the Palace winner, isn't there? That's the only goal he scored from open play all season. Um, and I'd still be I was talking about this last week. But I'd still be talking about Volks for for Gray moving forward. Um, in terms of the the midfield, though. Or Kevin, it looks like Barton Westwood might be the pairing short term at least. Westwood tidy enough from the bench at Vicarage Road, but diff- same as Brady, difficult circumstances to judge a player when the game's already got away from you. It is, yeah. Um, it's a strange one, really, because if obviously you don't really want to come into it. On the one hand, you don't want to come into a game in a situation like that because. Like you say, you can't really. It's difficult to come in and make an impact in that, and you, you're under all sorts of different kind of pressure, and it's a very, it's a very different kind of game to come into. Um, on the on the other side, if Dyche is um, not wanting to to throw them in from the start and wanting to kind of bring them in slowly, then that's it's almost like a it's a, it's a dead game. It's an opportunity to to put them in, and without that, without the pressure of of whatever it might have been if it had been the start of a match and they can go in and, and just kind of slowly settle into that team a little bit more so um it yeah it's it's a difficult one for that obviously i think everybody would obviously would have preferred them to be able to come on you know with, with us in a really good position and make a big impact and help us go on and get that one all draw over <laughs> over win um but it, it's not what happened and I think they've both been able to come in and, and get a little bit of time, and hopefully we, we can start to see them. Um, we can start to see both Westwood and, and Freddy and, and Brady come into the side and, and have a bit of an impact in the next few weeks, which I think we're going, going to need to do. Um, obviously, I, I think Sean Dyche, uh, I think Brady um, probably would have wanted him to come in sooner rather than later. Westwood um, perhaps probably would have wanted him to have to wait, wait for his turn a little bit more. Um, I don't think I don't think he, Westwood was brought in with the intention of coming straight into the side, um, so it's it's probably a little bit frustrating from Dyche's perspective that he need, he needs to come in straight away. Particularly, I think central midfield is one of those areas of the team where I think it's almost like I think out on the on the wings um, and, and up front and on the side of the pitch you can be a bit more flexible with your team, but in the middle you really want to have that. Um, that consistent unit. I think the central midfield, I've always said, is probably, for me the most important part of the team because they really they drive the attack forward, they they protect the defence, um, and they really set the, the tempo of the team. And I think that's one of the reasons we struggled last time in, in the Premier League um, two years ago is because we didn't have that. We didn't have a really strong central midfield. We've got that this season, but now it's, it's having to change so much. It's almost for the last couple of weeks and now going forward as well. It's going to have to keep changing every few weeks, and that for me. Um, has it's, it's problematic because you, you you do you want to for me you, you really want to have that that consistent uh, partnership in the middle what the whole team is built because if you look at every part of the team connects with the central midfield probably more than any other part of the team and when that's swapping and changing every week and you've got people coming in and out of the team you've potentially got Tarkovsky might have to start some games who um, is not is not a central midfielder that that for me is is going to be problematic at what is going to be really key part of our season. Yeah, I think um, it's it's fair to say that Westwood, I think, was brought in to be cover. We didn't envisage him need, being needed as cover for the second game after he was signed. But um, yeah, I'd expect Westwood and 
probably Brady as well, to be honest, both to be in the team for the Chelsea game. It's a bit of a free hit, as Natalie said, so you might as well just put them in, pressure's off, see what happens, despite our home form. Um, I agree with James, I'd have started Brady at Watford. I think if you're going to spend all that money on a player who is obviously better than what you have, um, you put them in. I can only assume it's a fitness thing. No about how Dash likes these players to be a particular standard of fitness. Maybe Brady's not quite there yet, but particularly to leave Arfield in, I, th- I thought Arfield had a really poor game against Leicester. And I can't remember many good games Arfield's had this season. And Boyd's been the same. So <laughs> I don't understand why you'd have two players who you brought in to improve those areas and then have them sat on the bench when, as Kev says, away performances all season just haven't really um, been up to standard. I think it's quite strange as well because when Scott Arfield started playing for Canada, it looked like he was maybe going out of the picture a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Goodmanson was getting getting games instead. And uh, obviously, there's even a stretch where Cartley was getting a couple of games. And it really did look like Arfield had sort of uh, fallen out of favour with the extra miles he was doing. And it did have an effect on his performance. But I don't think his performance has really necessarily come back to to previous levels. I think he has been, um, you know, below maybe what we've, we've ex- come to expect from him. There was a rumour, wasn't there, from over across the across the pond that he might earlier in January that he might be heading over to the MLS, and I don't think that would have been um, it might have been slightly surprising, but I don't think it would have been a huge shock um, to any of us. I don't think anyone would have been massively disappointed either, which I think says a lot. Yeah, I mean, Arthur's done a fantastic job for Burnley. No one forgets the goals he scored and scoring against Rovers, and he he was a player that always seems to have big contributions but if if we are going to be a, a mid-table Premier League side and we are at the moment I think most people would say Arfield probably needs to be replaced and we've replaced him but he still gets in the team which is a bit weird to me. People talk about Dash having his favourites and I, I tend to argue against that but if he's going to play Boyd and Arfield and have Brady on Brady and Gunnarsson on the bench many more times then I'll start to come round to that way of thinking I think. Uh, James, you mentioned Kitely there, pounding the Kitely swear jaw. We saved the Kitely discussion for this week because you were away last week and he scored on his debut for Burton Albion. I suppose it's an opportunity for him to get regular football and get some confidence back after falling out of favour at Burnley in the last couple of years. No, I, I think it's been really tough for him, uh, probably you know, not getting in the side. I think he did offer something different and ultimately um, it was something different that I don't think Dash has particularly looked for. Uh, Arfield and Boyd tend tend to get the starts because, you know, they do the the hard running, close people down a lot. And while Carty does do that, when he's on the ball, uh, he looks to do more of it personally. Whereas Arfield and Boyd do tend to, you know, defer to the central midfielders. Um, I think it's you know I'm I'm really chuffed for him. I think he's he deserved an opportunity to go somewhere else. Um, I, I know there had been rumours previously that he would have gone to Ipswich, but they, they couldn't quite afford um, the fee and the wages. Um, so no, it was great to see him score and set up by Sordell as well. You couldn't even write it. They should have arguably had a penalty as well. I did watch it earlier and there was definitely a foul in the build-up, but the cameraman then got confused. So I don't actually didn't actually see the pass, but uh, <laughs> it's a great it's a great tapping from Carter. He's in a great position. Uh, it's just a shame, obviously, we haven't got to see him do that much since our first promotion season. Um, but he, he's one that I think will uh, be looked back at on as one of Dash's stranger signings. 
Um, we had him on loan and he played almost every game, I think, in the first promotion season. He was a key part of the team. Uh, finished the season scoring, I think, three goals in the last five games. Um, and everyone seemed pretty excited about it. And then we signed him and he's barely played since. He's played less games since we actually owned him than he played on loan. Um, I'm not sure how often that happens, but uh, it, it does always seem a bit of a strange one. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was um, like a clause in the loan deal that we had to buy him if we got promoted or something, but apparently that's not the case, so it does seem a bit weird. And with hindsight, maybe we just shouldn't have bought him if we weren't going to play him the last two or three years. Um, if Kitely and Slodell continue to tear it up, we might have to have a Kitely Slodell corner on the podcast where we update what they've been doing. But, um, but really, it's still playing for us because... You know, Burton are up against uh, relegation, and so are Blackburn. Well, so yeah, it makes it a bit more interesting, doesn't it? If we're not involved in a relegation battle, at least we can be interested in the championship one. Um, um, I think we'll leave discussion of the game. There's only so much you can say about losing away from home again. Um, so let's cause the Natalie for this week's tweet of the week. 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 Indeed. This week's Tweet of the Week is going to come back to um, a point that you guys were saying just in the match analysis. And we're talking about um, the fact that our defence can play as well as they can do and there's just individual mistakes that seem to cost us points. And, you know, we can go away from home and Jeff Hendrick can get sent off and then that scuppers us for the rest of the game. So this week's Tweet of the Week is from John Percival who quite rightly states that it was a great effort from Burnley with 10 men. Brady looks like he'll be a cracking signing. Just need to cut out the defensive errors. And I think that's a really good summary of where we are right now. So thank you, John. That one, our tweet of the week. Yeah, I think uh, the thing with the defensive mistakes, so you couldn't even just point to one guy. And, like, I would love to be able to go, Matt Lawton, <laughs> his fault. But it's like they were all at fault to some extent for both goals I think so I can't even blame Matt Lawton which is one of my favourite things to do <laughs> I was going to say it's your favourite really pastime yeah. I've got to say as well I also thought that both me and Keane were both really uncharacteristically yeah, poor for both goals yeah just like wh- wh- why Why is nobody stopping that cross who's marking who and it, yeah I agree yeah poor all round uh, but we'll leave the game there John I think was one of our kickstarter pledges which brings me nicely to our next group of thank yous. We've also been sending out emails for people who are going to be doing guest intros and being guests on the podcast and various other things. So if you did pledge for that, please check your emails because I sent a message out and got hardly any replies, which is going to be a bit of a complex. But the next group of thank yous, people who pledged to our Kickstarter recently, Ian Creamer, Ian's been on the podcast before and will be again at some point in the season. Email, <laughs> check your emails, Ian. Um, David Rigg, Sarah Whisker, TM, David M. Twistle, Vemund Garden, I hope I've said that right, and Simon Morris. Thanks to everyone who pledged to our Kickstarter. Moving on then, this game, this week's game, is Chelsea at home, I'm trying to get my words out, and even though Burnley have won a load of games at home recently, Natalie, as you say, Chelsea look like champions, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it really is. It's going to be quite terrifying, isn't it? I think, 
but I've said this before when we've talked about these kind of games. These games are for me are the ones where they give the team a real opportunity to try things out and to go and play with no fear and to to break you know break try and break defenses down and run at them. One of the things I've been quite frustrated about this season, and this was apparent as well on on Saturday, is that we've especially away from home, we've not got a lot of goal threat and we've not got a lot of creativity in the side. We look very solid defensively, with Watford with an exception to that. And we, you know, we, we pass the ball very well and we've sort of sorted out central midfield. We'll pick up loose balls and we'll, you know, stay solid in that central position. But when we start to get a break and we start to push it forward, we start running and then somebody stops, puts the foot on the ball and it's like we have to pass it to every single player on the park before we can even dare make a, a you know, a, a a charge towards goal and it's just they're just almost trying to walk the ball into the back of the net and I understand why I understand the reluctance to committing too many players forward because even against a side like Watford who were one of the weaker sides in the division um they look really frightening on the break some of that of course will have been made a little scarier by um the one-man advantage but I can understand the reluctance to, to pile too many men forward and leave yourself very exposed at the back so for me, we've been playing too cautious, especially away from home and especially in some games where we've been a little bit negative in our approach. So games at home against Chelsea, what have we got to lose? Have a go, pile forward. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. You've got an opportunity here to try and get a little bit of creative flair and just get a bit of confidence in these players and just go for it. So whilst I'm not expecting anything, I would like to see Deitch mix it up a little bit, I think. Yeah, I think a lot depends on is availability, isn't it? I mean, Hendrick's not going to be available, Marnie's not going to be available. Barton hopefully will be, assuming the hearing's not been dealt with, but it looks like it might be Westwood in there. We don't really know if he's going to be up to speed playing in a two-man midfield, etc. So it's going to be a tough game, but we've won the last few at home, James. There's going to be a lot of confidence. Michael Keane's already been talking the game up, saying that Burnley fancy their chances of causing an upset, making the title race a bit more interesting. I'm sure a lot of people will want Burnley to win this game to keep Chelsea from winning the league in March. It'd be it'd be great for us to get you know a, a win against them. Um, I'm not sure I'm, I expect it, but at the same time, I don't expect us to give Chelsea an easy game. You know, I think they'll come and it'll be tough for them. We've seen you know the bigger sides have come and they've found it hard. Um, you know, and some of them had to cheat to win uh, in the case of Arsenal. Um, but yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people around the country hoping we can do something because at the moment the, the league obviously is looking a little bit one-sided for the for the title and Chelsea running away with it. Um, but also I think from our point of view, even just getting a point or you know, even just losing by like, say one goal could, could be key for our confidence after failing yet again to get an away win. It's obviously key that we we keep these home results coming, uh, keep the confidence from that, and that obviously allows us to make sure we can really solidify this mid-table spot that we we hold at the moment. Yeah, it's the last Premier League game at home, isn't it, until April, I think, with the the run of away games and international break, etc. Yeah, so so we really need something to to take away for us on the road to, to give us that confidence, because... You know, we do need to to pick up a win in one of these upcoming away games. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a totally different situation, but in the Owen Coyle Premier League season, we started with a lot of home wins, and then the home wins started to dry up a little bit. We weren't getting anything away from home. 
obviously Coyle leaving was the massive catalyst for the second half of the season, but if you are heavily reliant on your home form, Kevin, and then you stop winning games at home, it does become a problem, but Chelsea at home, you don't expect to get anything anyway. It is, it's, it's a free game for Burnley. It was, yeah. I was talking about um, earlier about the psychological impact if we lose against Hull, um, and I think that's, that's the opposite for this match. It's one of those where um, so long as we as long as we don't get spanked, kind of you know four nil or something like that, then um, it, it it doesn't really matter what happens. Um, and yeah, I certainly expect us to be competitive. I'm not sure um, I, I'm going to predict us to, to to get a point. Uh, so to get a win, I'm, I'm, I'd be cautious to even predict we're going to get a point um you've got to look at that match and think Chelsea are going to come away with uh, with the win but having said that I do certainly think we're going to be very competitive we're going to give them a really tough game probably a much tougher game than um many sides have given them this season it's strange to say this it, it, it could be one of their tougher games of the season which is which is bizarre to think really but it's just it's just testament to how how strong we are at home um and you know particularly against against these big sides you know we we've always you always raise your game and I think we've played um we've not got maximum points from these game these matches but I think against all the big teams that have come to turf more this season uh, we've played very well obviously we get we got the win against Liverpool uh, and we we should have had points against uh, Arsenal and City as well so we've done very well against the bigger the bigger teams and obviously no one is in, in as good a form as Chelsea are, as Chelsea are but they're going to come to turf more they're going to play come up against a very um, different style of football uh, than the likes of, particularly, uh, it couldn't be much different from from the likes of Arsenal who we played uh, played this weekend. It's going to be a very different kind of, ta- kind of type of test for them. Um, we're going to go in with a bit of bit of freedom. Um, the fans are going to be behind the team, and yeah, we're going to be very competitive, which is one thing we'll, we'll we'll always be at home this season. Whatever happens in terms of the result, we'll we'll always be competitive. I think and. We'll go out there and see what happens. If we don't get a win, it, it, it's certainly not the end of the world. It's it's for it's for games where we're going to, where we're playing away from home for more where where we're going to have that kind of pressure. Um, so it's 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 with everything that's happening with uh, injuries, suspensions, uh, kind of getting getting beaten, some of the pressure of your away games coming up. It's, it could actually be quite nice to have a like I said a, a free hit almost coming up where we can go into this game. There's going to be there's so much pressure in the Watford game. There's going to be so much pressure in some of the other games coming up. So it's nice to come into this. Uh, without that pressure. Yeah, I'd like to see us have a good go at it, but I don't think it's very dice-ish to do that. And I think a game like, if you go 1-0 down against Chelsea early on, they're going to squeeze the life out of the match and make it extremely difficult. So I do think we will try and keep it tight um, for as long as possible and then maybe be a bit more ambitious in the last half an hour, more realistically for dice in the last 30 seconds, maybe. Um, We'll do predictions at the end of the podcast as always but one last thing I wanted to touch on looking ahead to the cup game next weekend Burnley in the fifth round against Lincoln City a bit of a hoo-ha from Lincoln fans about their allocation Natalie I don't know if you've seen this they've got 3,200 tickets I think Um, so there will still be some Burnley fans in the cricket field stand Lincoln had applied for 7,000 apparently if you can believe that they wanted a third of Turf Moor um but do you think the allocation's fair? Should they have got the holy away end? It's it's a big no. day for Lincoln, but <laughs> it is a it's big a, day. It's a big day for us. We've got a chance to get exactly. to the final as well. 
they asked us for their full allocation, which is 15%, and that's what they've got. They got 3,252. It would be perverse to give them more than... It would be ridiculous. Yeah. And plus as well, their average home attendance this season is 3,000. So why should we give another 3,500 to Glory Hunters? Uh, yeah, that's the way I feel about it anyway, but it's possibly a little bit harsh. But, but it's true, you know... It's on the fence, promise. <laughs> no, but that's true. They, they only, they've only been getting 3,000 at home, so why do they need 7,000? I understand it's a big game, but this is also a massive opportunity for us to get through to a quarter-final of the FA Cup. Why would we give opposition fans, especially with the acoustics in that cricket field stand, why would we give them more fans, more noise, and an extra um, amount of... of um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't think of the word. Do you know what, I guess when it gives them the, the extra extra support for their for their fans, why, why would we do that? Um, I just think it's nonsense, and I just think that they should just be quite happy with what they've got. To be honest, there was a there was a a, a, a Lincoln. Well, I say a Lincoln fan. I went on. Uh, it looks on Twitter, and she just had a tweet and a lot of Sunderland things as well. So I'm not really sure what she is. Uh, but she was complete. Apparently, there was a. There was a, a Facebook post kind of on really slamming Burnley saying that, oh, I've, I've been on this website and the cricket says the cricket field stand over David Shafiq's drawing, whatever it's called, holds X, however many it is. Um, but uh, I say, oh, so they've actually purposely given us less. They're going to have a half the stand empty purely to give us a smaller amount. Um which is, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, I think people are not really understanding that. Um, we we some of that stand is is, is allocated to, to to home fans and yeah the season uh, ticket orders in there you've got to give those people a chance to sit in there in the stand they want to sit in if if not yeah absolutely and seat. I think if I'm if I'm right is if if Lincoln got more than what we give to Premier League games is that so, right yeah I think they are actually going to move the barrier the stand yeah, of Premier League we get we get we give two two thousand four hundred for for Premier League games so. I don't like I say they've got nothing to complain about really. It's just one of those where they want to send all those kind of fake uh, fans, yeah. like all, all, all those Sunderland people fans, people going to their first Lincoln game of the season. Yeah, yeah, they, they've got the the biggest allocation of the season. Uh, a Burton fan had said to me on Twitter after I pointed out a home record to them when they were saying it was winnable. Um, they they asked how many seats they, they thought they'd get, and I I thought it'd be about three k because I thought. I actually thought that's about what we give to the Premier League side, but obviously the barrier is quite a long way away. But I mean, even just from a, a logistics point of view, like taking down the segregation and the barrier and stuff like that just for an FA Cup game against a, a lower league team, I mean, where's the incentive for Burnley to do that, really? Yeah, I, I saw a few people say, oh, it must be the police wouldn't have wanted it. Like, it's got nothing to do with the police. It's got to do with Burnley not giving you more tickets than you need, <laughs> really. 15% is the rule. I think it's fine to give them 15 cent. Um, asked this on Twitter last week, and surprisingly, actually, 44% said they should have got more than 15%. I don't know if Lincoln fans hijacked our poll. <laughs> it was 44% said yes, 56% um, said no. I, I think it'll be a big crowd. A lot of Lincoln fans' counter-argument was that there's going to be a lot of empty seats, game's going to be on telly, it's going to reflect badly on us, but we sold 14,000 home tickets for the Bristol game, this is the chance to get to the quarter-final. It's still a tenner. Yes, it's on TV, but a tenner, I don't think... I think the decision between staying at home and going is maybe negated by the fact it's only a tenner. If it was 25, 30 quid, then you'd maybe go, ah, I'll stay home and I watch think, it for free. But it's, it's 10 quid. 
This is a much more attractive game as well, I think, to purely... To yeah, the novelty um, factor, and also, as I've touched on, last home game until until April, so you're not going to get yeah, to I see think... the lads for another six weeks, unless we get a so home court final. You've got those three things, you've got the home game, you've got... Uh, it's a it's a stage further in the competition, so the further you get, the closer you get to the final, obviously it's a bit more interest, and like you said, it's a it's it's a bit it's a novelty opposition. It's not the sort of playing team like Bristol, who we could play kind of every 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 couple of seasons, if depending on who's going up and down in different leagues. So there's yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It, be, it's difficult to predict with with the, with the TV, um, but I, I don't think I don't think it'll be a poor crowd. A poor crowd certainly. Yeah, I'm, I, I would hope that Burnley fans take advantage of the fact that it's a tenor and back the club up on keeping the tickets low because my suspicion is that Lincoln would have had them higher if they could have. Um, so for a tenor to see Burnley this season, it'll be strongish team. Burnley should win, let's be honest. I'm sure we'll talk about the cup game in more detail, but should be another home win into the quarter-final of the cup. I don't think there's any excuse for there to be thousands and thousands of empty seats, so hopefully those Lincoln fans will be proved wrong. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about the cup game next week, but we need to do predictions... And thank goodness Kevin was wrong, even though it means that I was wrong. I'm almost glad that I was wrong. Predictions, predictions, it's the prediction league. It was a terrible, terrible week. It was... <laughs> <laughs> I was I was talking last week how um, in kind of so many predictions there's only been two occasions when somebody had got zero zero points, um, and that was just completely destroyed on on Saturday when we all we all we were all wrong. Um, I think two of us, Natalie and James, both predicted wins uh, one nil and two one, and Jamie and myself both. Uh, I still, I'm still adamant that it was a correct prediction. Me and Jim, Jim me and Jamie both correctly predicted one-one. And if Jeff Hendrick had not been sent off, it would have been one-one. Um, so that leaves the table as as it as it was with me still uh, running away at the top. So it's not all bad. I'm still kind of destroying the rest of the competition. The Chelsea um, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and it's going to continue that way. Um, although hopefully I'll do better than Chelsea. Um, do next week because I'll, hopefully I'll win and Chelsea won't in the in the scores for the upcoming game. <laughs> Excellent link. <laughs> Let's have your prediction then. You can go first since you're the leader. Well, I've just said that. I, mean, I've just <laughs> I was going to say, sure, you're going to predict Chelsea to win. <laughs> I've just looked at my spreadsheet and I've got Burnley down for a two-one defeat. So um, <laughs> um, I'd lo- I'd I'd, I'd, I'd love to predict uh, a, a win or even a point, but I think despite how competitive we are. I think Chelsea are just are just phenomenal this season, and it's really it, despite our form, it's difficult to see us coming away with something. So I think it'll be tight. I think we'll be, uh, but I, I think yeah, I think they might open the score and we'll get an equaliser and they'll come back to win it. Uh, so they're they're going to win two one, unfortunately. James, I'm I'm going to be positive, and I'm going to go for a two one Burnley win. Blimey, bit of a big upset but there's just something about the way we're playing at home that they had to feel like we could we could do it that's blindsided me a little bit um natalie where are you on the 
2-1 sliding scale. <laughs> I know, wow. Um, well, I'm a little bit torn, really. I can't make my mind up whether to go with my heart or go with my really, really, really bad competitive edge to want to beat you and especially Kevin. Um, so I think I'm going to go with my heart just purely because this season my um, new reverse psychology, not reverse psychology, uber positive, new turnstile strategy at home has worked really well for us. So I'm going to go with my heart and I'm going to say that I'm going to go through my new turnstile and stick with the new pre-match routine. And I actually agreed with James. I think Burnley are going to win 2-1. By me, I did not see this coming at all. Um, I also think Burnley are going to lose, but given the scores so far, I'm going to do a tactical prediction, which hasn't gone well for me so far. <laughs> I'm going to predict a 1-1 draw. Apparently the most common scoreline in football. So I should have been predicting more 1-1s, even though I predicted 1-1 last week, and it wasn't 1-1. Thanks, Jeff. You get... <laughs> that's it for this week's podcast so next week we'll have Chelsea to talk about and previewing the big FA Cup tie thanks to Rick who sent our artwork Jeff Hendrick featured obviously for this week's art thanks to Rick, um, thanks to Adam our editor and thanks also to Natalie, Kevin and James for joining me, you can always email us on the podcast at podcast at net. you can get us on Twitter as well at nonanevernets if you've got any feedback comments questions etc kickstarter rewards in the post in your emails check your inboxes but that's it for this week i've been jamie smith goodbye so i'm just gonna cough (laughs) the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.